1: CNN reported yesterday that uh, U.S. officials
0: believe that it's are, are investigating that associates of President Trump communicated with
1: suspected Russian operatives right. to coordinate the release of information damaging to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Um, I'm wondering if you can respond to that or say definitively yeah. that they did not do so. so. So let's actually look at what CNN reported. They reported that anonymous U.S. officials have told them that information indicates that association of the campaign and suspected operatives coordinated, which they admit is not conclusive of anything, is bordering on conclusion, collusion. The last line of the thing said, quote, the FBI cannot yet prove that collusion took place. I think there's more, probably more evidence that CNN colluded with the Clinton campaign to give her debate questions than the Trump campaign gave any kind of collusion. Uh, so I think when it comes down to that reporting, it is filled with a bunch of subjective terms about this person may have done this, possibly could have done that, uh, and at the end of the story, if you wait to the very bottom, it says the FBI cannot yet prove that collusion could took place. So uh, I have addressed this type of reporting in the past and this fits right in.
0: That's how it's done, my friends, at the podium. You call them out as they're trying to smear the administration you represent and say, Well, no, actually, if you want to talk about collusion, let's talk about collusion between CNN and the Hillary campaign. Who was that man? Of course, you know who it is. Sean Spicer, luckily not wearing that frilly green blouse today on our show. Uh, He is the former White House press secretary. He has his own show now, Sean Spicer. You can get it on YouTube, Rumble, your favorite podcast app. Subscribe today and follow him at Sean Spicer. Sean, welcome to a
1: special edition of the Manhood Hour. Always good to be with you. Yeah, unfortunately, the shirt's at the dry cleaner. I would have worn it if uh, <laughs> next time.
0: Maybe, maybe they might lose it before you get it back. All right. So uh, everybody knows you in America for for you and that that famous podium, and and maybe for you know your your Dancing with the Stars, but. I'm not sure everybody knows about your background. So can we talk a little bit about, because you have a fascinating um, combination of military service in the Navy and then really being a, an insider when it comes to conservative politics. So let's start with, with uh, you know, how did you get to that podium, Sean Spicer? Uh,
1: well, Seb, it's actually, I always tell people I feel like a minor league ball player. I went to college my family was not political at all. I had been told we didn't come from a lot of money, and um, it was the latter half of the 1980s. And, and a teacher in high school had said, "Hey, I, I know you're always concerned about money, and um, you know if you really put your mind to it and went to school and studied Japanese, you could probably make a ton of money if you had a, like sort of a blended it with an economic degree." So I went to college. I studied Japanese for about a year and a half. I was told I was horrible at it. I really didn't like it, to be honest with you, but I thought it was a means to an end. Uh, but I, I mean, I literally was getting a D with a circle around it, which meant, hey, you're showing up every day. We can tell you're trying, but you're not going to pass this class. And, and, um, and what
0: what was the logic your teacher thought that you know you could get into finance in Asia or what what was?
1: Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, Japan was on the ascent, and the idea was, hey, if, if they, they had plenty of Japanese citizens that could speak English there weren't a ton of Americans that were studying Japanese, and the idea was, hey, if you could blend an economic degree with uh, fluency in Japanese, that there would be a huge market on Wall Street. And I think there probably was. But A, I I didn't like it, I hated it, to be be frank, and um, I wasn't good at it either. And so I had taken a government course, um, kind of had a intellectual awakening, kind of it really, as you can imagine, most liberal arts colleges are very liberal uh, in their philosophy, and especially in the role of government. And I sort of thought to myself, well, I really haven't thought about this before, but why is why is government the default answer? Why can't—my my dad had been a small business owner and a self-starter, um, and I kept thinking to myself, like, what's this reliance on the government? Why do we need the government to do this? And so I started volunteering on campaigns. I really loved the idea, and I think what I loved— uh, was this idea of a finite—it was, like was like a sporting event, right? You have a finite amount of time to go out up until Election Day and to convince more people to vote for you than your opponent, to get them to mobilize, to volunteer, to donate, to vote. And I loved the idea because it was like—like it was like like I said, if you're playing soccer, you go on the field, you got 90 minutes— and your goal is to score more than the opponent, and that's it, full stop. You know, yeah, sometimes you get a high five, but there's no – no one walks around and says, hey, you guys had a great season because you only lost by one every time or something. <laughs> and I love politics because you either win or you lose. There's no second place. Um, so I started off – I would just say this. I How I got to the podium, I was a small – I was like a minor league baseball player. I went from New Jersey to Florida, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Uh, I lived in an RV, somebody's uh, attic – um, I but, mean, I went what, what are you
0: doing with all these different m- moves? Is it, is it campaign yeah. after campaign?
1: Yeah, so was a campaign after campaign, mostly congressional races, trying to move up the ladder, trying to get more experience, more expertise, more stature, more leadership. I managed my first race in 1996 in New Jersey, um, and uh, we won that. And then uh, I came back to Washington. I worked for a member of Congress from New Jersey, a different member. And then, as I said, I would just trade – I would literally figure out—I got called by the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, and uh, in, in the 2000 election. Would I move to Florida for three months to help an incumbent member who, who had, was in dire straits? I did that. We won that race by 386 votes. Uh, in fact, by the way, my first race uh, in 1994, when uh, it was the Contract with America, my candidate, Connecticut 2nd District, was one of the 10 people that signed the Contract with America. There were 10 planks. They had a couple incumbents, some open seats, and some challengers. And we were one of the three, I think, challengers that signed the contract with America. Newt flew up, did an event for us. It was pretty cool. And we ended up losing that election on election night by two votes. It's in the books. There's a 21-vote loss. Two votes? Two votes. Two votes. I mean, you kill yourself when you sit there and look at voter rolls and say, uh, here's a guy that didn't vote. Here's a woman that didn't vote. This person should have been—I mean— it, wow. it gives you nightmares. And then in the books officially after a quasi recount, cause it was a joke. It's 21 votes in the record books. Uh, and then as I said, 2000, I won by three eighty six. um, got noticed by the NRCC because they had literally said in the, um, in, in that night, they said, Hey, you really tried hard. You got this race really close. And I said, no, 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 we're going to win. And they were like, dude, I get it. You know, you're going to win, right? Whatever. And, um, and we did. And then uh, they asked me to come up and head up what they call incumbent retention for the entire NRCC, um, which meant uh, overseeing expl- the— re- Explain election.
0: what the NRCC is and what the what so the there's, obligation there's, is it has.
1: Yeah. There's three federal committees, the RNC, which is sort of the national party, that's that oversees theoretically the brand, focuses on presidential elections, et cetera. Then there's two federal committees, the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, that oversees Senate elections and the NRCC, which is the National Republican Congressional Committee, which oversees House races to to the US House. And so I was in charge of the wing. It's divided up in terms of the committee. Someone oversees all the incumbents, the ones that are currently in office in their reelection. Somebody focused on open seats and then somebody focused on, uh, on challenger races, and I oversaw, I think it was 220 something uh, incumbent races, because obviously not everybody's running for re-election. reelection. Right. And we had one of the best years uh, in history. And so I went from there, I went back to, uh, served in the House, uh, House leadership. I was the communication instructor for the um, House Republican Conference, which is the third, four, third in line in leadership. And, and that's the messaging arm, right? So you got the, the majority leader, the minority leader, and then the conference, and the conference, it's sort of—you know, every time they were meeting for either McCarthy or then subsequently Mike uh, Johnson, they would talk about there's a meeting. Well, that meeting is is yeah. coordinated by the House Republican Conference, and there's a, a chair. Right now, it's Elise Stefanik. Um, so I worked there, and then I went to go work for um, George W. Bush Is as the assistant U.S. trade rep, uh, which I always joked when I worked for Trump that I used to sell trade for Trump, for, for Bush, and then when I worked for Trump, I had to tell everyone why what I said to you eight years ago was stupid. Uh, <laughs> All right. Follow which, the guy right now. He's got a
0: brand new show. It's a lot of fun. I've been on it, and he asked the best questions. SeanSpicer.com is the website. but. Check it out on YouTube, on Rumble, the Sean Spicer show uh, on your favorite podcast platform, and follow him at Sean Spicer. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is the Manhood Hour. If you enjoy the deep dive with special guests, real newsmakers like Sean, make sure you are subscribed to our podcast. You look for my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First, on whichever platform you prefer. Leave us a five-star re- re- review. Share the links with your friends. And if you've had it with the dodo in the White House and you want President Trump back, stand with him. We've taken his booking photograph from Atlanta. We put it on a yard sign, on a T-shirt, on a mug, with a very simple phrase, Trump 2024. Get yours today at store.com And more important than that, support him directly at donaldjtrump.com. That's Donald. Trump.com. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the US dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see tyrannical implications. The end of cash? the end of financial privacy. Big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency. Gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855 gold That's 855-322-4653. MidasGoldGroup.com. Condi Rice did not support this president. Um, she did not go to the election. She comes, what is on the agenda, and, and how is their relationship? Has it healed since 2006 when he used a very negative word
1: to so describe So here's it? what I'll tell you. It's interesting that you ask those two questions back to back. On the one hand, you're saying, what are we doing to improve our image? And then here he is once again meeting somebody uh, that hasn't been a big supporter of his. Hold on. on. I, I, negative. I, I, no, no, but, but April, hold on. You... you you, you, it seems like you're hell-bent on trying to make sure that whatever image you want to tell about this White House stays. Because at the end of the day, the let me answer I understand. I am okay, but you know what, you're asking me a question, and I'm going to answer it. Which is the President, I'm sorry, please stop shaking your head again. But at some point, the reality is that this President continues to reach out to individuals who've supported him, who didn't support him. Republicans, Democrats, to try to bring the country together and move forward on an agenda that's going to help every American.
0: Short Spicer at the podium dealing with April Ryan, uh, the person I had to debate last week at the Oxford Union. It shouldn't have to be a debate. It should be journalists doing their job and not fake news activists. Uh, We need him back at that podium. I don't know if he'd do it, but let's talk about the manliness of the current, well, the state of masculinity in our civilization with a man who has not only stood at the podium for the president... But also wears the cloth of the republic, Sean. Uh, in your career summary, you didn't mention your military service. Tell us how you you got involved uh, in the navy. How did that begin?
1: So I'll give you the cliff notes version. Basically, I grew up in Rhode Island. It's a very navy-centric yeah. state. Um, my great-grand, my grandfather, William Spicer, was a Medal of Honor recipient. Um, I, there's a lot of, of, Navy around us and I'd always wanted to do something, serve something bigger than myself. And I tried to join the coast guard a couple times. I love the water. My dad sold boats for a living. And, uh, and so I had always done it. And then finally in my, tw- and it just never worked out timing wise. Cause they would always say, well, if you got to give this many weeks and I had to work for a living and it just, again, it never timed out the way it was supposed to. So long story short is I found out about a program in my twenties. Um, that brought in public affairs officers to the Navy. And at 29 years old, I was commissioned as an officer, as an ensign, and uh, I just completed my 25th year.
0: (laughs) So these are people who have prior credentials in public affairs in the civilian world, and then they're fast-tracked in.
1: Yeah, so the Navy has a a program where they find skill sets that they need, everything from cryptology to religious folks, uh, to medical folks. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other, but there are areas where they sort of look and say, the private sector has a lot of expertise that we could use. Intelligence is another one where they, they yeah. look at folks that have been in the Intel community and they, they basically supply cores is another I think, um, and public affairs is one of them where they look at people who who have had a tremendous experience or a deep-down uh, amount of public experience in the private sector that the Navy could benefit from. Them, and sort of a reverse. You come in with a skill set, and then they teach you how to be a good naval officer. Right. Um, so you go to school, learn how to do all the Navy stuff, and then you go on your way.
0: Let me jump straight to the question of you know, there was a story about your appointment – your presidential appointment to one of the boards uh, of one of the military academies. I've witnessed with my affiliation, especially with the U.S. Army, the um, increasing interference of politics into the military. Uh, How concerned are you that the original standards of what it means to be You know, a man to serve in uniform, to serve the nation, is being. And I don't want to get you in trouble because I know there are issues concerning you know your 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 post uh, and your service. But are you concerned that politics is getting involved in things it shouldn't be involved in, Sean?
1: Um, So there's two two things that I would say. And again, anything I say is is my personal opinion and not that of the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Um, I think there's a difference between politics and culture. And what I mean by that is. I don't ever feel like anybody's coming in and saying, you know, we've got to vote for President Biden or vote for some Democrat or any Republican. There's, That's not it. I think what there might be is a, a cultural thing where we're losing focus on what it's all about. Right? Yeah, yeah. I saw a video a few months ago where somebody was featured and talking about why they joined the Navy and why they were proud. And they were talking about it in a, in a very personal way. Uh, uh, first-person standpoint. I like this. I did that. I get this out of it. I benefited. And what I've always been told, especially as an officer, is that we grow up, we, as we grow up through the ranks, that it's about our sailors. It's about leading. It's about being part of a bigger cause that you are part of. I have people that I report to. I have troop, you know, a unit that I oversee. And that my goal, my number one priority is to take care of my sailors, to lead them to make sure that they're taken care of, that they're ready on day one when asked to, to go to do a mission, and that I feel like sometimes we're 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 getting to the point where we're losing the leadership piece of this, and um and and there's and I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, but I you're asking a question where I think the cultural piece of this comes in today, where they talk about you know I had a conversation with somebody um about. Expectations. Uh, this is about a year and a half ago. And somebody said to me, This person said to me, Well, I think you have to understand where young people are today. And I said, No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like, they need to understand this is the military. Our job is to be trained and ready to fight what our country calls us. And this idea that people are now saying, Well, we like to work from home and we like to do this. I'm like, That's great. But the military isn't a social experiment. Um, we're not here to tinker and to see what works it's to be ready so that when anyone questions the United States that we have that answer ready to go and um, and so I think that that um, you know the answer to your question is I think that, that to some degree there's more of a cultural problem to some than, than there is a politics problem
0: but but the cultural can affect all kinds of things like esprit de core can't it
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm not saying that the politics isn't upstream of it. But I think that I want to make sure I'm differentiating between the two, right. that there's a difference. When politics infects someone, someone is being told, support this, this party or this person. That's I don't see that ever happening, right. ever, in my experience. No one's coming in trying to make the case about anything. Uh, I will say that there are times when I think there is a shift in culture, how we, what we need to be doing as individuals. And I think, you know, I've always, the only thing I've ever cared about, and it's interesting because we see a lot, there's, you know, this whole push for pronouns and all that kind of stuff. And, And you think about it like an organization like the Navy, ranks are general neutral, captain, commander, ensign, lieutenant. There's no gender there. You think about how you address, you know, petty officer first class, petty officer second class, machinist mate, uh, mass communication specialist um, you know it's there's no gender right in fact it's I meaning so it's it's it, there's there's that's the, the beauty they're, of they it. they they're,
0: cre- they're creating a problem where there wasn't right. a problem with um, correct and that's
1: and that's the thing is that there's no there was not a problem in fact it's quite the opposite you go into the military right now and you know based on rank and uh, and rate it's not it, it's not based on there's no, you know, Mrs. Commander, or Mrs. Ensign or <laughs> right, Miss, right, Mr. This. Right. It's it's title. And right. I think that that's actually a great example. And the problem is, is then you see people saying, what, well, I still want to be addressed by he, she. It's like, what do you mean? You have a title. I don't need to even use your gender terms.
0: Right. We're talking to Sean Spicer. He is the host, interestingly, of the Sean Spicer show, seanspicer.com. You can get it all usual places at YouTube, Rumble, uh, iTunes as well. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. Just look for Seb Gorka or Sebastian Gorka on True Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler. Get a Telegram. You can watch us on the Salem News Channel app. And don't forget my Substack: That's sebastriangorka.substack.com. That's my whole name is one word, Sebastian Gorka. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. <laughs> The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, the class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus one with the standard magazine and 13 plus one with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. If you enjoy America First, support those who make it possible, great patriots like Mike Lindell. Do you know he's celebrating 20 years of my pillow? That's incredible. The pillow that never gets hot, never loses shape. He sold 81 million of them. They're that good. But are you aware he's got more than 200 other items on his website made by Americans here in America for you? Don't buy that Chinese garbage on Amazon. Go to MyPillow.com. Use my name for up to 66% off. Or call them up. Talk to a human being. How nice is that? 800-829-8468. That's 800-829-8468. MyPillow.com. Buy American. Code G-O-R-K-A for up to 66% off. All right. I think you mentioned a grandfather, Sean, who was a uh, um, – it's not congressional. um, Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor. Honor. I hate it when people say congressional. It's not congressional. It's just a Medal of Honor winner. Uh, Who was most influential for you in your understanding what it means to serve, what it means to have manly virtues? Was it your grandfather, your dad? Was it a, a coach in school?
1: Uh, it was always my dad. I mean, he taught me the, the value of uh, of a handshake, of your word, um, of getting it done right the first time. Um, you know, it was always um, – he was one of those guys that always had a, a lesson to teach you. Um, and, um, you know, getting it – doing it right the first time, you know, measure twice, cut once. Um, but he, he – the the thing that was always interesting about him is, you know – he always had time for, for other people. Um, and later in life, that's what I would hear the most is, you know, at this one point, blah, 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 blah. But your dad came out and helped me one day when I knew that he didn't have the time either and blah, blah, blah. And you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but I'll tell you, I always, I, I, I've come to, to, to realize that the word rich depends on what you value. Mm -hmm. And if you value money, then no, I wasn't rich. If you value somebody who's going to sit down at dinner every night and talk to you about your day and, and still lessons. And I was very rich.
0: And give me some other adjectives. When you think about the values that you saw and you said, I want to be like that, what kind of adjectives described your father?
1: I think integrity, hard work, um, commitment. You know, like I said, he was one of those guys that when you started a project, he'd say, okay, we're going to finish it. And you, you, you didn't get to just welch out because you were like, ah, uh, You know, I'm tired or it's been a while. Um, And there was a, you know, everything from raking the leaves to washing the car. Um, You know, I'd come out once in a while and he'd look at me and say, some spots there. And I'd say, yep. And he'd go, all right, we're doing it again. And his, you know, his point to me was you either do it right the first time or you're going to do it again. And it's a lot quicker to just do it right the first time um and he he was also a person that was strong on commitment if you said to somebody that you're going to do something on a saturday or you know whatever it was he'd say all right you made a commitment you're going you know um and the value so so, so was, a hard taskmaster no it wasn't like but it was more like there was nothing that i did that i couldn't do right it wasn't like hey rake the leaves with one hand tied behind your back but he gave you tasks he expected you to complete them and complete them well. Um, he believed in the value of a dollar. If I wanted money, I had to earn it. And that wasn't usually through allowances. It was, hey, if you want this, you know, okay, go wash other people's cars. Go rake their leaves. Uh, I sold greeting cards. Uh, I sold birthday cakes. I I uh, I bought uh, this mechanism and fixed skis uh, or, or um, the bottom skis and waxed them and everything. I mean, my dad's view was, you know— there's a value to a dollar, and you've got to learn it. You've got to understand it. I mean, um, I paid for my gas and my insurance as a kid, and the car his view was, you know, you want to drive? There's some responsibility that comes with that.
0: And do you think that America, that value system still exists despite all the uh, assaults on what, is, what they call toxic masculinity?
1: Um, I think it exists, it doesn't exist as prevalent, um, and the, the lack of father figures in particular. But I had this discussion, set with somebody uh, in the last couple of days where my kids don't have a phone yet, and they're not on social media, and they, I mean, at some point soon they will, because we recognize that there's a safety aspect to this. But I'll be talking to parents, and they'll say to me, Oh, my God, I can't believe I, I, you know, Mike, the phone and my kid, he can't let it down. And the stuff that he's seeing on social media. And I'm like, you do know that you're you're part of this equation. (laughs) It's your phone. You've allowed them to do this. And they bemoan it as if they didn't have a choice. And they're like, oh, my God, I wish we had done that. Right. And I'm like, you can still do it. Um, That too many parents. I don't I don't know what it is these days forget that they're still part of the equation yeah. Yeah. that they're driving the train and um and that they're responsible I hate to say this cuz it sounds it's for some of the problems yeah. I mean the the kids now I get in the car with my when I do like carpool or whatever and I'll say like all right no phones everything's down like we're going to talk to each other and um I just I feel like the lessons of of interaction and having a conversation and looking somebody in the eye are starting to dissipate. And that that's concerning to me yeah. as a society where things go. And then I watch videos on social media. There was one the other day with these these kids and they're the the parents are standing behind them and I assume they're prop guns, but they're these kids are running around with guns and I'm thinking to myself, what 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 are you teaching them? Like I want to teach my kid to be a responsible gun owner. We've taken him to the range. He's been certified by the NRA. Um, But I want them to understand the value and the responsibility that goes along with certain things, not that things are toys and that life is devalued, that there's, you know. And and so anyway, I think that, that the lessons that I think a lot of us were taught a generation ago are starting to slide.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you what those lessons are that we need to uh, inculcate into uh, the next generation. Uh, That'll be one of our closing questions here on The Manhood Hour with Sean Spicer. Follow him uh, on Twitter at Sean Spicer. The website is, is Sean Spicer, and his new show is available on all the usual platforms. On this MyPillows 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a Queen size My Pillow for just $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more for a king size. You will receive deep discounts on all My Pillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, and use promo code GORKA to receive this amazing offer on the Queen size My Pillow for $19.98, or call 800 829 847. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A, or call 800-829-8468 today. MyPillow.com, code Gorka.
1: Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018. 2020 2022 no red wave that never came we got trounced last night in 2023 and i think that we have to have accountability in our party for that matter ron if you want to come on stage tonight you want to look the gop voters in the eye and tell them you resign i will turn over my yield my time to you
0: Probably the hottest uh, moment from the last presidential GOB debate. We, don't, we, don't, we do not don't, enough politics in the week here on America First. We don't usually concentrate on it on the manhood hour. But I'm going to come on the manhood issue a roundabout way um, with Sean in a moment based upon that comment. But first things first, if you missed out on our trip to the Holy Land last year, if you got FOMO... And uh, you wanted to join us, 350 of our dear listeners came with us for the trip of a lifetime. Don't worry, we've just planned and booked our next trip. It is to Alaska. It is the Patriots Cruise. I've never been to Alaska. I haven't even been on a cruise. Can you believe that? Uh, I'll be taking my news. Katie we will have a couple of surprise guests as well. Join us June 29th to July 6th. We're going to be mapping the geopolitics of the current global environment and what it's going to take for us to take back our nation. Find out today all the details. Reserve your place at SebGorka.com. Just look for the Patriots Alaska Cruise at S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorka.com. Sean, I think it was maybe a year ago we had a discussion about uh, the GOP and how conservatives shouldn't give any quarter to the mainstream media then we had discussions about why are they having CNN or MSNBC or any uh, any other mainstream media organ involved in hosting the debates. I, I think the answer to why it happens is cowardice and wanting to be loved by those who hate you. Vivek doesn't suffer from that because he's not part of the the political machine – is, is a lack of cowardice one of the biggest problems, not just for our society, but also for our side of the political aisle, Sean?
1: Yeah, there's something to that. By the way, I had Vivek on the show uh, just the other day. If you go watch that episode, he came up really hard on kind of expands on the clip that you just played. So if you just go to my YouTube page, you can search it up and, uh, and check out his comments there. But I think that, that there's a, a laziness, too. Right. So, for example, I don't know why the RNC allowed NBC to host a debate. Why did they partner with Univision? What what is going on uh, that anyone thought that was a good idea? I don't get it. And I've said this before. I mean, you have I know Salem. I thought, by the way, just for the record, I tweeted this out. I thought the best questions were from Hugh Hewitt of the Salem Network, Salem Radio Network. He was asking spot-on questions. They made people think. I learned a lot by the answers in terms of how they—the size of the Navy that they they proposed and, and the strategy. I, I It wasn't just about the number. I loved how Hugh framed that question because, to me, I thought actually—I'll I'll be— Blunt. I thought Chris Christie answered the question best because he, he, he explained why it made sense to go with the sub force first in terms of the threat that Taiwan. But I digress. The point was, these are the kind of questions, immigration, uh, our military vis-a-vis Taiwan, that make sense, yeah. that got us thinking, that made us learn about stuff. The RNC partnering with NBC News was a joke. Uh, the RNC partnering with Univision, a joke. And I think there is a bit of accountability. Why are we not asking? what? Why not the Daily Wire? I know Salem was part of one, and that was a, a great piece of it. What about uh, you know the Daily Wire, the Blaze, the First? I mean, there are a lot of good media organizations out there that could host a debate. Um, and, and frankly, my whole thing has always been, why don't you just put them on the stage, broadcast it on C-SPAN, and let any organization stream it for free? <laughs> but— There isn't an accountability uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, and I think that's the problem.
0: I I want to say something a little bit um, personal now because I remember one of the um, sweetest moments of my time in the White House was going in on a Saturday morning. I think I had some friends from out of town or maybe I took my kids in for for a little tour, and you were there with your son. (laughs) You were in a you know, I think you're in shorts and a golf shirt and you were working so never in shorts. Never in shorts. All right, a golf shirt. You're wearing a golf shirt with your young I think your young son was drawing and, and you were working. The rest of the West Wing was was empty. One thing I find remarkable about you, Sean, is of all the people outside of the president who I think, you know, landed from another planet because he's just impervious. You have the best – you're, like, made of rubber. Stuff just bounces off you. You you know, you're a fighter. I mean, I'm a fighter, but you know my reputation. You know, I, I'm the pugilist. I'm the, you know, the scary guy. Jesse Waters called me the scariest guy on television. You're the fun guy, and you never seem to let stuff grind you down, even though they – they're scum the way they treat you the president me they're, they're all scum the, the the mainstream media what what is special about Sean Spicer that you you maintain this light touch you're you you know you're you're serious about the country you're serious about the mission but you don't let the bs grind you down and you maintain a, a light touch do you, do, have you ever self-analyzed why that is
1: Well, I appreciate the kind words. I'm not entirely sure it's true. I think sometimes you put on a good face because you realize that I mean there's there's an aspect of it too. Like I don't one, I'd say I know who I care about. And I really don't care what they what people outside, you know, in the mainstream media, the legacy media, the left wing media think. I really don't. I know who matters to me in my life, in terms of my family, my friends, and and what ultimately God will judge me on. That's it. Okay. And that's all you should care about. Right. Frankly. Right. And I think too many people – and I, I would put this on a lot of Republicans too. Part of the problem with our party and our movement is that too many people want to be their buddies and think if yeah. I only bash Trump yeah. one time, if I only sell out a few more times, yeah. that I'll be liked and right. that they will accept me. And I'll go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner and I'll go to the parties and I'll be listed as you know one of the cool people that got invited to some shindig. Right. If that's what you want, that's great. But you're not a real movement conservative then, because you can't have both. No. And I think part of my part of to, to the answer to your question, Seb, is that I realized that I am I, what mattered and who mattered. And once you figure that out, and I'm not saying just for the record, I can't say that I'm not I'm not perfect, because there was a time when I thought, wow, this is really cool. I mean, this is, you know, I've. I, as we went through my career, but for a while I did. There was some cool events and some things, and I thought, "Wow, this is great! How awesome would it be to get invited to this or do that?" And after some time, I realized that those aren't your friends. Those aren't people that I like. Those aren't people that I want my kids to like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and so once you kind of center yourself and get a true north, you'll realize that like, I get it. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't been to a couple of White House Correspondents' dinners, but I also realize I won't go again. I, I don't know why why people think it's fun to hang around with a group of people that hate you, or want to bash you, mock the people that you like and work with. Yeah. But I think it's they want to say that they saw some celebrity. Um, so yeah. I think that's part of it is that I, I knew what I cared about, what I didn't. Um, and um, you know, but I it it wasn't it's not completely like doesn't sting hit once in a while, and I think part of it is when you're in the job the way I was. You realize that no one cares either. I mean, you take it, and no one's like, "Oh, well, how are you feeling today? Are you okay?" And you, you know, let me let me give you a, a, a lollipop. It's not how that works. You know that you're going into battle every day, yeah. And that's part of the the price of taking the job. Now, it's part of the price of taking the job under under Donald Trump. I mean, if you're Cringe Jean Pierre Jansaki, you do get that lollipop every day. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think part of this was just understanding what mattered and who mattered and look and I think there he, he may not be the most popular person for your show but John Boehner used to have a saying back in the day when I was on the hill he'd say if you do the right things for the right reasons good things will happen and I truly believe that if that's if that's how you live your life you do the right things for the right reasons good things will happen it's a, great, so, it's, a great,
0: it's a great saying. I don't think John Boehner followed it himself, but uh, I, I've, written, <laughs> I've written down the, the, the tagline, and I love it. Uh, work out what really matters and work out the people who matter, and that's yep. your guiding star. He's the host of the new Sean Spicer go- show, SeanSpicer.com, available at all the usual platforms. Uh, you are listening to The Manhood Hour.
1: What impacts you
0: every day? All right, we've only got a few minutes left. We'll go back to that Saturday morning when I bumped into you with your young son uh, working in the, uh, in the press office there. Uh, we need more Sean Spices. Um, we need more people who understand the values that your father transmitted to you. So on a short list of a curriculum for the, the young men in America, the the, the 12-year-olds, the 14-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, what, what is the minimum that we have to teach them so we can claw back a little bit of, of the America we need more of? What what kinds of things do we need to instill in them, Sean?
1: I think there needs to be a sense of value of, of what's important in life, kind of to the conversation that we're having, that I think too often kids right now Talk about how many subscribers they have to their, you know, to their social media channels, right. or how many views something got, and I think part of this is to remind them what matters in life. Um, you know, a buddy that I worked with on, on the Trump campaign in 2015 passed away today. A guy named Rick Ahern, and he, I was reading the tributes that people left uh, on different sites today, and I want to die like Rick Ahern. I want people the, – the comments were just amazing, how hardworking he was, what a nice person he was to interact with, how many – how he set somebody straight. He gave them a chance. He did this. He did that. I want people to say that, and I think that part of it is to make sure that, you know, I stop and pull my son inside every once in a while and I say, hey, do you see that incident over there? Wow, that was really nice what that person did. And do you know why? Instilling those lessons and taking the time, or I'll say the opposite. I saw a, a story on the news the other day with these – young men behaved very poorly. And I stopped and I said to my son, hey, did you see this story? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you understand how that would have felt to be on the other side of that story and why this was wrong? And he was like, yep. But that's kind of what my dad did. And it's stopping to take the time to realize that the set of values that you instill are important. And it goes back to the story I was saying about the phones, that too many parents are just outsourcing a lot of these ideas. And it's like, if they're looking, your kids are looking at you. When I was a kid, I was afraid to get in trouble because I didn't want to, I, I tell this all the time, it was because I didn't want to disappoint my parents.
0: Yes. Not
1: because yeah. they were going to do anything, yeah. but they had set an expectation of right and wrong, good and bad, what it meant to work hard, the value of a dollar. I didn't want to get a D, not because I was, well, I, I was going to say I look stupid, but because I knew they worked hard to get me the opportunity to go do certain things. Right. And I didn't want them to think I didn't value what they had offered me, so we've got to do that. They, that's 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 what a dad does. That's what a mentor does. Um, you know, and we've got to make sure that we take the time to realize that those lessons matter. Those those times when you pull somebody aside and say, "Hey, can we let's go have lunch? I want to talk to you about that project that you did. I want to talk to you about that uh, interaction that just occurred." Yeah. But if you don't have them, somebody else is going to. And that's the problem, is that right now when, when something happens and you watch two people react and somebody says, that was no big deal, and you look and go, wow, that person's hurt over there, and you don't care, and they go, ah, oh, who cares, they'll get over it. You realize that that person reacted the way because they didn't have a set of values that, that thought that that interaction mattered, and that's wrong.
0: He has a really enjoyable new show. I can tell you, it's one of the few interviews where I talked about things I haven't discussed with anybody else. It's the Sean Spicer Show. Get it on the usual places: Rumble, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. The website is Sean Spicer. He's the author, also, of Radical Nation, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. Follow him at Sean Spicer. You've been listening to the Manhood Hour with my buddy, my former colleague. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up, never give in, and stay frosty. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. I have a dream to Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. I can
1: hear you. The rest of the world hears you, and the people and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great.
0: This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. We're back. It's great to be back. This is Sebastian Gorka, and you're listening to America First. I'm very grateful for all those who stepped into the breach. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even... I didn't even prepare details about what I did last week at the oldest debating society in the world. I just realized I haven't been on the air since then. Oxford Union, it was incredible. I'll tell you all the stories, but uh, I want to say thank you first to Grant Stinchfield, who covered for me last week. And then yesterday, <clears throat> as I was traveling to somewhere in Florida, uh, Bob France stepped into the breach. And God bless you, for, uh, Bob, for uh, for... I listened to it a little bit on the plane as I was uh, coming back to D.C. and you did a superb job. I don't know all that stuff about praising my team at the end of the show, talking about Eric, Jeff, and Guy, and Alex, and John. and I don't know what that's all about. I don't know if they paid you a lot of money to say that, but uh, thank you for doing that. Okay. Yesterday, I was at a certain establishment that, if you look at this photograph, I'm sure you will agree, uh, is only worth about $18 million. Or maybe a little bit more than eight. I think the car park is worth probably uh, twice that. I went to a place called Mar-a-Lago. And if you have ever been there, you'll recognize the inside, the furnishings, the statuary as well. There's a, I think that's Cicero. I think my son says that looks like Cicero. And you realize where you are when you go into the quote-unquote living room at Mar-a-Lago. And what do you see there? You see an Air Force One, yes, indeed, on the coffee table that kind of gives it away. I was there, of course, to see the president who'd sent me a message three weeks ago through a a dear friend about mm, what his plans are for 2025 uh, after the election, after, God willing, we put him back in the White House. And then I uh, requested an audience, and I went to see him. You know what the fun thing was? I don't know. He must have the best intelligence service outside of government because he's a little bit late which is fine I was the only person he was seeing that day and I'm waiting in his private office um, out on the balcony it was hot my gosh it was hot in Florida yesterday I was in my double-breasted suit and in walks his assistant you know who you are lovely lady with a tray with two malted vanilla milkshakes and I do not know How the 45th president of the United States knows that my favorite cooled beverage is not only a vanilla milkshake, but is a malted vanilla milkshake. And there I was waiting for the president on the balcony of Mar-a-Lago with, I have to say, it was the best milkshake in the world. As you have seen from his letter from his doctor that was published uh, yesterday on the 81st birthday of the current incumbent of the White House, President Trump is in fighting form. He's lost some weight. I don't know if I didn't ask him, it would have been a little bit indiscreet whether uh, vanilla milkshakes are his his lunchtime meal. But man, it was a good milkshake. And then we had a chat, just me and the boss for over an hour. Um, I can't go into a lot of details about what we discussed, but uh, look, I know you all want to know. We we had a straw poll. Am I allowed to talk about this? I'm going to do it anyway. We had a straw poll on all of our shows here on America First as to who you're voting for. Eric, did I show you the results of the straw poll? I have not. Are you about to break this news here on this episode of America First? I'm not getting in trouble, but we have you know numerous hosts throughout the day. And um, you know who they are, you know, from Hugh Hewitt to Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, uh, Officer Tatum, there is only one show on the Salem network that in a choice between President Trump, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Krispy Kreme and the rest, there's only one show in which the listeners polled 100% support for President Trump. Eric, can you guess which show it was? I think I can safely say I'm honored
1: that it was this show, wasn't it?
0: I I was expecting something high. I was expecting maybe 75, 80%. 100% of our listeners across the nation, from Los Angeles to the stinking cesspit that is Washington, D.C., 100% of the respondents for our Salem Straw poll for this show from America First said, yeah. It's President Trump. All right, what can I talk about with regards to our meeting? Well, first, I'll tell you how he's doing. Stunning. I I, I don't know how he does it. I I simply, I don't know how he does it. And don't forget, I'm the child of a man who survived literal torture by secret police in a communist regime and who was imprisoned for life at the age of 20, who spent two years in solitary, two years down a prison coal mine. and. I didn't understand. I didn't understand how my father, Paul Gorka, was one of the most fun-loving men I knew. Always ready to have fun, twinkle in his eye. Bon vivant, an amazing host, raconteur, just, just a fun man to be around. the The dinner when I when I was a kid in the seventies, the dinner parties my father, my wife, my mother would hold. Just, I was an only child sitting there at the top of the stairs watching all these grown-ups have fun, getting out of fiddle, playing music, dancing. How you do that? Some people are just made differently. And I'm convinced of the fact that President Trump is made differently. This is a man who's, who's under assault 24 hours a day by those who wish to destroy him because he loves America. A man who's facing centuries in prison on trumped-up charges in D.C., in Georgia, in New York. We'll be talking about those later in the show today. We have an amazing lineup. We'll have Sean Spicer, Lord Conrad Black, Greg Jarrett on the court cases, on and on and on. You don't want to miss a second. But it would have been completely normal for me to see my former uh, employer and for him to be dejected, to be broken, to be down, to be ruminating on everything they've done to him and his family. (laughs) It was like we were back in the White House and it was, you know, January 23rd, 2017. Stunning. Nothing, nothing can break this man. We talked about the Rona Romney McDaniel. We talked about the need to secure the election from theft. We talked about the polls. Wow. And I made just one observation. I think I think you can look this up. You can back me up. Never in the history of modern presidential politics have we been 11 months and two weeks f- from an election with the leader of the opposition not only 50-plus points against his nearest challenger, more than 50 points, percentage points ahead of his nearest challenger in his own party, but also trouncing the incumbent in four out of five swing states. I said to the president, that's historic. And there's a reason. And the reason isn't just America. It's not just domestic. Look what happened yesterday. In Argentina, Javier Milei, a man who is, may not be a traditional conservative, may be quite a radical libertarian, but he's no commie. That man has broken the backs of the socialists who've run Argentina for nigh on 40 years. President Trump is just the exemplar of a world that wants national sovereignty, greatness, and liberty back. I'm Sebastian Gorka, so glad to be back in the chair with you today. If you enjoy the show, never miss the third hour. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. Today it will be my former White House buddy, Sean Spicer. Super, super fun guy. You don't want to miss it. Uh, And if you stand with President Trump, if you know we can be great again, if the world can be stable again, as long as he becomes 47, put the yard sign outside your home. Wear the T-shirt, get the mug with his booking photo from Atlanta and a very simple phrase, Trump 2024. Get yours today. That's Seb Gorka store, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com and support him directly at DonaldJTrump.com. That's DonaldJTrump.com.